0: Today, we're going to continue our sermon series, Timely Answers to Tough Questions. Timely Answers to Tough Questions. In it, we are looking at questions facing us, questions relevant to our day that need a biblical answer. Because here's the deal God's answer is the only answer. Now, we need to get used to that, we need to be sure of that. God's answer is is the only answer. Friends, be sure today, our world is a mess. Our world, watch and look around, it is in trouble, and it is rapidly getting worse because people are grabbing every answer. They are claiming every answer except the true answer. Friends, I want to tell you as we watch that occur, as we watch that happen, A large part of the blame for that, we can blame a whole lot of folks, but a large part of the blame for that falls on the church today, who has either gone silent with the truth or who is compromising on the truth. Friends, listen to me today. Be sure of this this morning. Today, we need a lot less of trying to appease the world We need a lot less of trying to appeal to the world, and we need a lot more of, thus saith the Lord. Today, our question is, what does the Bible say about abortion? What does the Bible say about abortion? I'm going to ask if you would stand with me for a word of prayer as we begin this important time together this morning. What does the Bible say about abortion? Let's pray. every Father, we come and we are thankful for hope today. We're thankful for truth today. We're thankful that you walk with us, that you do not leave us, you do not forsake us. We're thankful for your spirit who lives inside of us, guides us. And we're thankful for your word, your truth, that again leads us, directs us, points us to the living word, Jesus. Lord, we come at this time and we ask that you would speak, we ask that we would hear from your word, and not the interpretation of a man, not the interpretation of a church, but the very word of God, and I pray that we would be shaped, not just in this one subject, but in all areas, by the truth of the word of God. Lord, I pray that you're pleased today, I pray that you're known today, I pray that you're glorified today, I pray that the fruit of all of this would result in you being high and lifted up today. We love you. We praise you and we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today in our nation, right under our nose, right around us, we are living in an absolute crisis. Now, the thing about this crisis, the odd thing, really the strange thing, is that most of us daily aren't even aware of it. Most of us aren't daily even considering it. Really, honestly, if we're to lay it out, most of us really aren't that bothered by it as we go through the day to day of life. We are right around us living in a crisis. And that crisis is abortion. Since 1973 in the United States, there have been over 63 million babies aborted. 63 million babies aborted. That is two times the current entire population of Texas. Have you been to Houston, have you been to Austin, have you been to Dallas? It is two times the current population of Texas. 63 million babies. This past year, in 2022, just under a million abortions were performed in the United States. The average throughout the 80s was about a million and a half a year. There was a high of 1.7 million, another of 1.6 million in 1990 and 1991. Now, those are the uh, reported abortions. Of those, over 90% were carried out in clinics whose sole purpose is the carrying out of abortions. These are places and these are people that specialize and sadly greatly profit in performing abortions. Now, I could give you lots of statistics. There were a lot of statistics that we could wade through. I could give you a lot of them, but I think this one sets the tone. Listen to this. The Center for Disease Control reports there were 350,831 COVID deaths in 2020. There were 386,000 COVID deaths in 2021. It has come down. There were 267,000 COVID deaths in 2022. And so I want you to see this. I want you to get this. There are more abortions performed in a single year than every death attributed to COVID that's ever occurred in the United States of America. And you think about that for just a second. On one hand, COVID is all in the news. It's all we talk about. And on the other hand, that many will die from abortion again this year. It is a crisis And it's right under our noses. It's a crisis and it's right around us. Well, the question is, and here's the deal, here's the question. The question is not what does the government say about that, what do experts say about that, what do the Republicans or the Democrats say about that. The question is this, what does the Bible say about that? That's the question. What does the Bible say about that? What has God said in his word about that? Now, I want to say as we begin this morning, this is a politicized topic, highly so. It is a politicized topic, but we're not going to find and we're not going to have today a politicized answer. Our goal as we we begin today is to see what God has said in his word. And so listen, we're not coming here with an agenda. We're not coming here to make a point for somebody else. We come today with the mission, with the goal, to see what God has said in His Word. Now, today, there's a lot to cover, and there's a lot that we could cover, but I want to tell you, I want to to really boil it down to this. Really, as we begin today, the question is this. The issue is this. Now, we're going to see it unfold, but listen, the, the question today is this. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? That's really the question, and we're going we're to cover a lot of ground, but the real issue is do we trust God? All right, let's begin. Let's start moving this morning. The first question is the first issue is, and this is where we're going to begin the first issue is what is God's involvement in life? What is God's involvement? In life. Now let's talk this through. Our God we know is the God of life. Our God is the God of life. He is the creator of all life. He is the creator of human life. Now in the book of Genesis, that is the revelation. That's what we're told in the book of Genesis. That is the truth. God is the creator of all things. God is the creator of all life. God is the creator of human life. Do you ever wonder why there's such an attack on the biblical account of creation? Do you ever wonder why there's such an attack on the Genesis account of creation? Everybody wants to start there and that's where they're gonna begin their attack. It's because this, Satan hates life. He comes to kill, to steal. He hates life. And so the revelation of Genesis is God is the creator of all life. God is the creator of human life. Our God is the creator of life. Our God is the designer of life. Our God, now think about that. He is the designer of life. Every life stems from his perfect, intricate wisdom. Now, that's, that's, that's amazing to think about. You think about all the systems and how they have to function and how they have to complement each other. Every life stems from his perfect, intricate wisdom. Now, not only that, he's the creator of life. He's the designer of life. Not only that, he is the giver of life. I want you to hear this. Our God is the giver of life. No life has ever lived that wasn't given by God. And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about how big that is. I want you to think what that means about your neighbors and the folks you like and the folks you don't like. Listen, our God is the giver of life. No life has ever lived that was not given by God. Now, on top of that, we can keep going. Our God is the sustainer of life. He's the giver of life. He's also the sustainer of life. Life is fueled, it is Empowered, it is sustained by God. If you are living right now, it is in the power of God. He is the sustainer of life. If you woke up today and you're glad about it, thank God. He is the sustainer of life. He's the giver of life, but He is the empowerment of life. He is the sustainer of all life. Now, listen, friends, we can build on that. I want you to think about those things for just a second. I want you to consider those things. God perfect in wisdom. He is perfect in wisdom. God perfect, infinite in goodness. He is good. He's always going to do the good thing. God perfect in righteousness. God perfect in kindness. Infinite in kindness. God perfect in might and power. There's nothing He can't do. He is the designer of life. He is the giver of life. He is the sustainer of life. Our God is the God of life. This is getting to shape up into being a good sermon. That's crazy. That's awesome. That's marvelous. Our God is the God of life, the giver, the provider, the sustainer of life. We worship the God of life. We are known by the God of life. We are, the Bible says, loved by the God of life. So what is God's involvement in life? He is the God of life. Now, when I hear that, I hear Jesus say, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus says, I am the life. What is God's involvement in life? He is the God of life. Now, the next part this morning is this. And what does the God of life command about human life? What does the God of life command about human life? Exodus chapter 20 verse 13 says this. You shall not murder. You shall not murder. Now the word for murder, it's a, it's a Hebrew word. It's interesting. It means to kill is what King James tr- translator said. It means to put to death to slay. To put to death to slay, to kill. You shall not murder. Now When you get to Exodus chapter 21, there's a whole lot of examples of of what that looks like, how that plays out. One of the examples there in Exodus 21 in explaining this says, if you accidentally strike a man's wife, the, the, the verse is if you're fighting with a man, and as you're fighting with a man, you accidentally strike his wife, and she goes into labor and loses the baby, death is the punishment for the person that causes that. Now, that's just one of the examples. That's just one of the examples. Life is to be protected. God is the God of life, the giver of life. And he tells us, life is to not be taken. In Matthew, Jesus restates it in the New Testament. You've heard, we shall not murder. He even ups it to hating in your heart. Don't even hate in your heart as you've done that. You've also murdered. Listen, It is clear, we are not to unjustly kill human life. That is the command of the God of life. What is the command? Let's be very plain. The command is this, do not take human life. All right, so the first point, what is God's involvement in life? He is the God of life. What does the God of life command about human life? He says, thou shalt not kill. All right, number three, here we go in the progression. Third thing is this, when does human life begin? All right, if we're not to take a human life, when does human life begin? Now, I want you to see this. Here's where a lot of folks start to diverge into different areas, where there starts to be a split. The world says, and it's even getting kind of weird on this, but the world says human life starts at birth. That's what the world says, human life starts at birth. Now, it doesn't give much value to it after birth, but it says it starts at birth. Now, sadly, many of the folks making decisions today, many of the folks making laws today, many of the folks with influence today, they are saying human life starts at birth. Well, let me just tell you, we know better than that. I'll just tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, that's absolutely nonsense. And I'll just pile on while we're doing it, that's absolutely garbage. And listen to me, it is a lie. It is a lie. Be certain, human life wonderfully, amazingly, marvelously starts at conception. Now, I want you to watch this. Here's what I've noticed about dealers in the non truth. Now, you can pick your area. <laughs> We've seen this a couple times. But here's what I've noticed about folks that, that deal in non truth they change the definitions. You ever notice that? That's one of their tactics. They change word meanings. And so you say something and you're referring to this, it has this meaning. And they come along and they change the the definition. They change the word meaning. They muddy up the waters by changing the definitions. Well, here's what I did. Here's what I did. I want you to watch this. I went to the secular dictionary. I went to the secular dictionary and I started looking up their definitions. Now, I want you to watch this. Follow with me. I looked up abortion. What does the world say abortion is? Well, how does the world define abortion? All right, here's the secular dictionary's definition. Abortion, the medical termination of a pregnancy. It's really pretty simple. The medical termination of a pregnancy. Well, just so I understood, I don't want to be wrong in this, I wanted to look up what they call a pregnancy. So I went to the same dictionary and I looked up pregnancy. Pregnancy is defined, listen, the condition between conception and birth where a female, now they're going to have to update that pretty quick, aren't they? Where a female carries a developing embryo or fetus. What is pregnancy? It is the condition between conception and birth where a female carries a developing embryo or fetus. Now, I'm kind of dumb, and so just so I understood, I went and looked up what a fetus is. How do they define a fetus? Same dictionary, same book. Here's what a fetus is. A fetus is defined... As unborn offspring, unborn offspring. Well, I'm pretty dumb, so I better make sure what that means. So just so I understood, I went and looked up what an offspring is. They're the same dictionary. Listen, you can go look these up. I I encourage you to do it. Offspring is defined and it specifies for humans, a person's child or children. That's the definition of an offspring in the secular dictionary. For humans, a person's child or children. Now, let me put all of that together for you by their own definition. Now, they didn't link all this up, but by their own definition and not mine, abortion then is the medical termination of a person's child or children. That's the secular definition the medical termination of a person's child or children. That's according to their own scientific definition. Abortion is the pre-birth termination of a child. Now, right here, I want to show you some things. I want to show you what the Bible says. And what we're going to be basing our decision on is what the Bible says. So I want to show you right here what the Bible says. First thing is this. In the womb, in the womb is a life given by God. Listen, that's what the Bible tells us. That's what the Bible shows us, teaches us. In the womb is a life given by God. Are you sure it's a life? When does it become a life? Is it a certain week? Is it a week four, a week eight? Is it a week 30? Is when it becomes viable? Is when it is delivered? In the womb is a life Given by God. Now, I'm going to give you three examples. The first example is the prophet Jeremiah. Prophet Jeremiah, God is speaking to him. God tells him, you can read it yourself. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five. He says this to the prophet Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. It's a word that means set you aside. And so here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us Jeremiah was Jeremiah in the womb. Jeremiah was set apart as a prophet in the womb. He wasn't a mass that might have become something. He wasn't a mass that was yet to be determined He was a life. He was Jeremiah, set aside unto God, a prophet in the womb. He was a life in the womb. Let me give you another example. John the Baptist. Remember Luke chapter 1. The story there, we start Luke's gospel. Mary goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. That's a miraculous event. Mary goes to see her. Luke chapter 1, verse 41 says, and when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, this is what the Bible says, the baby, already a baby, already called a baby, already identified as a baby, the baby leapt in her womb. In verse 44, it says, he leaped, he leapt for joy. And so I want you to see this. This is pre-birth, pre-birth, he is alive, life. Pre-birth, he is a baby. This is John the Baptist. Now, let me give you another example. The last example is Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 1, it says, Mary, she was found to be with child. Now, he's not born yet, but he's called a child. Before he's born, he's called a child. Not yet born, it says he is a son. Not yet born, it says he is going to be named Jesus. Not yet born, it says, and he will save his people from their sin. He is the Savior. It quotes Isaiah and says that the virgin will be with child. And so we find Jesus in the womb is Jesus. Jesus in the womb is the Savior. He is a son. He is the Savior for sinful people. First thing is this. In the womb is a life given by God. Now, that's a marvel. That's an awesome thing. Wow. Wow. In the womb is a life given by God. Second thing is this. In the womb is a human in the plan of God. In the womb is a human in the plan of God. Did you know (laughs) there are no accidents? (laughs) We might say so. Do you know there are no accidents? It's God's plan. Now listen to me. I want you to stay with me right here. There are no accidents. Now there, there might be surprises, but it really shouldn't be that. It is God's plan. His plan is at the point of conception. When the male and the female unite, his plan, listen to me, is the formation of a human. It is not an accident. It is not a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise. That is the plan. When this thing happens, what results is the formation of a human. And that is the plan of God. That is the method of God. It is the plan. In the womb is the plan of God. I'm going to read the psalmist. At this point, he is marveling. Here are his words. Psalm 139, starting at verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Verse 15, he is skillfully wrought. Verse 16, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. He sings Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. What takes place in the womb? Listen, it is marvelous. It it is wonderful, and it is the plan and the work of God. What is taking place in the womb after the point of conception is the plan and the work of God. We have a pretty good perspective in our day. Doctors can see, and doctors can measure, and here's what doctors tell us. Listen to this. Four weeks after conception, the baby is the size of a poppy seed, <laughs> a poppy seed, starting to develop a nervous system, connective tissue, and other organs. At four weeks, the heartbeat has already started. The heartbeat has already started. The the doctors say this, and the mother might be exhausted. That's what it said. Four weeks in, the mother already might be exhausted. Six weeks, there is a nose, and there is a mouth, and there are ears, and they're taking shape. There is a brain that is beginning to develop and grow. The heartbeat at six weeks can now be detected. Six weeks. Can now be detected. That baby is the size of a pea. At seven weeks, the baby has doubled in size from the previous week. I thought only I could do that. <laughs> the baby has doubled from the previous week's size of a pea. Hands and feet are now emerging out of paddles. It is the size of a blueberry. Eight weeks. Moving around, even though it can't be felt yet, it's moving around. There is now a throat and the development of lungs. It is the size of a grape, even though the mother is rapidly gaining weight to support all that's going on. Ten weeks. At ten weeks, the limbs can now bend. There are now fingernails. Ten weeks, fingernails, toenails. 11 weeks, they are kicking, they are stretching, they are hiccuping. 12 weeks, their fingers at 12 weeks open and close. Their mouth makes a sucking movement. The baby, though very small, less than two inches, the size of a small lime at 12 weeks is now fully formed. Everything that needs to be there is there. At 19 weeks, senses are developing They can hear your voice. They can hear your voice. They're the size of a tomato. 25 weeks, they're starting to grow hair. It has a color and a texture, except in my babies. They didn't have hair. 25 weeks, starting to grow hair. It has a color and a texture. 30 weeks, they are becoming fatter, rapidly gaining weight, preparing for life outside of the womb. They can now turn their head side to side, they're going to say no by doing that the rest of their life," says the mother. Is still tired. That's going to go on for eighteen more years. There in the womb is the plan of God. <laughs> there in the womb is the plan of God, and it's unfolding. There's fingernails. And there's hair. There's little feet that are going to march around. There's the plan of God. Listen, does that not cause you to worship? Does that not cause you to worship? I don't don't care who you are. That ought to cause us to, to praise such a glorious, marvelous, graciously wise God. In the womb, there's life given by God. In the womb is a human in the plan of God. In the womb is a life given by God. In the womb is a human in the plan of God. Third one is this. In the womb is a person created in the image of God. In the womb is a person created in the image of God. Genesis chapter one, verse 26, God says, let us make mankind, let us make man in our image. There in the womb of the pregnant mother, there is a person in the image of God. Let me tell you what that means. That means that person has value. Listen, it has value. He or she, it has value. The world may say there's no value. The world may say we have to wait and determine a value. There is value because that person is created in the image of God. It means this. There is an individual known by God. There's an individual that God knows. More than that, the Bible tells us there is an an individual who is loved by God. It means There is an individual that that is created to be in fellowship with God. We're made in the image of God. What does that mean? It means they are created to be in fellowship with God. Trees can't be in fellowship with God. Animals, as awesome as they are, they can't be in fellowship with God. But the human can be in fellowship with God because we're built, made in the image of God. In the human womb is a person created in the image of God. And that is the truth. And that is the reality. Oh, what a God we have. Oh, the God we have. The God of life. That is the truth. That is the reality. All right, so moving along. So what then is abortion? So what then is abortion? Now, I'm not going to mention any words here. If those things are true, and they are, that's the record of the Bible. That's the testimony of the Bible. If those things are true, what is abortion? I want you to hear me, and I want you to be very clear today. Abortion then is taking a life. Abortion is murder. Abortion is a sin. Abortion is to dishonor God. Abortion is in disobedience to God. Abortion is the opposite of life. Now listen to me. I can wrap all of those things up by saying this. It is not trusting God. It's a sin. It's not trusting God. It's to kill. It's not trusting God. Remember the question, do we trust God? Well, this is where it's proved out right here. Now, we're gonna see this a couple times in the next coming weeks. Do we actually trust God? Well, here's where it's proved out right here. What if it's not the time that we want? Do we trust God? What if it's not the situation that we want? Do we trust God? What if it's not the condition that we want? Do we actually trust God? Now, here you can insert all of the things. Listen, I don't have to do this for you. You can do this. Here... You can insert all the things. What about the health of the mother? What about the result of a crime? What if they're too young? What if they're too poor? The question is, do we trust God? Do we trust God? Remember who he is. He's the creator of life. Are you gonna trust him with it? He's the designer of life. Are you gonna trust him with it? He's the sustainer of life. He's not running short on power. Are you going to trust him with it? We come along and start saying, well, what if that? Do you trust God? Listen, I don't have to talk about the, that. The question is, do you trust God? Abortion is not trusting God. Now, I want to be clear out right here. I couldn't couldn't get all that together without putting this in. I want to be very clear here. We act like this is a female issue, abortion. We act like this is a female issue. Actually, listen to me very carefully. It has a male cause. It has a male motivation. You see, the plan of God is for sex to be in marriage. That's the plan of God. That's the starting place. For sex to be in marriage. And for a marriage to be headed by a man. Did you hear what I just said? The plan of God is for a marriage to be headed by a man. And it is for a house to be protected, to be provided for, to be led by, to be sacrificed for by a father. And I want to tell you today, we would not have an abortion crisis if there were men who were trusting God's plan, and they were married to their women, and they were raising their kids, and they were building their homes, and they were faithful to their wives, and they were committed to the Word of God, and they did it all to the glory of Jesus Christ. There wouldn't be this crisis. Christians, listen. Listen. We need to start saying that. We need to start saying that. You know why we're in a crisis? We've been too silent. We need to start saying that. You can trust God. You can trust his plan. Men, you can trust his plan. Young men, young couples, you can trust God. You can trust his plan. Sex outside of marriage is a sin, but I want to tell you, you can trust God. I want to tell you, abortion is a sin, but I want to tell you, listen, you can trust God. We have to start saying that. You can trust God. You can trust God. So that's what the Bible says. I'm going to end. We're about done. I'm going to end with three calls out of this message. I'm going to end with three exhortations, three calls out of this message. All right, here we go. First is this. If you have had an abortion, 25% of American women have, one in four, one in four. If you have had an abortion, Do not run from God. Do not hide from God. Listen to me. Turn to God. Turn to God. He has been gracious to your baby. We saw that last week. And I want you to hear me this morning. And he will be gracious to you. He will be gracious to you. The Bible says, God in his word says, if you'll confess your sin, and I'm not saying you have to go all around and tell a bunch of folks, it's to him. If you'll confess your sin to him, he will hear you and he will forgive you. And I want to tell you what the gracious God of our gospel will do. He'll renew you and he'll restore you and he'll lift the guilt off of you. It's already been settled in the cross of Calvary. And with him and in him, this can be a settled issue. Do you see what Satan has done? Satan has come and he's taken our sisters and he's hit guilt on them and shame on them and condemnation on them and they have to walk around in that. They have to walk around in that guilt. They have to remember that death. They can't ever get far from that separation and that's how he likes it. That's how he wants them to stay. But I want to tell you the marvelous God, the gracious Savior Jesus, he'll forgive you. He'll restore you. He'll renew you. Jesus will redeem. Jesus will renew. What Satan tried to run, Jesus will set right. Listen, if you've had an abortion, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He'll be gracious to you. Listen, that's our gospel. You know, it doesn't matter what you're sinning. It doesn't matter what my sinning. It doesn't matter what we've done. If we'll turn to Jesus, he'll forgive and he'll restore and he'll make right, and he'll set it right, and he'll renew. That is our gospel. Second thing is this. If you are considering abortion, you need to hear this, and you need to hear it very loudly. You can trust God. You can trust God. Listen, I've learned that. Other folks have learned that as well. You can trust God. If if you're considering this, you need to know that God is the God of life, and he created it. He designed it. He gives it. He'll sustain it. And he will be with you. You can trust him. His way is best. If you're considering this, listen, you can trust God. He'll walk with you. You can trust him. And the third thing is this, and it's for all of us. Be agents of life. Be agents of life. Listen, church, we have to speak up. And I don't know why we're so embarrassed. I don't know why we feel like somebody's going to hate us or get upset. God's way is always the best way. It's the best plan for our, for our lives. We have to speak up. And we have to share the good news. We have to share the good news of the God of life. We have to tell our friends he's trustworthy and he's gracious and he's kind and he's powerful. We have to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to point to Jesus. Listen, we have to walk in obedience ourselves. It doesn't do any good to proclaim these things if we don't walk in obedience We have to be agents and ambassadors of life. What we need out of this church service is an army to walk out of here and say, there is life in Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. There is forgiveness in Jesus. And brother and sister, let me tell you how we need to walk out as agents of life. Ambassadors of Jesus. Friends, I'm figuring this out. Ultimately, this is a gospel issue. People say, is that a gospel issue? I think all issues are are gospel issues. Where there is sin, in Jesus, there's a remedy. Where there is death, in Jesus, there is life. Where there is worry, in Jesus, there is hope. Now, I want to tell you, as we wrap this up, the point of this message is this. See Jesus today. Wherever you're at, whatever you've done, see Jesus today. He loves you today. He knows you today. He sees the hurts of your heart today. He sees the things you're trying to hide and cover up. He has a remedy for all those things. He's gone to the cross. He's paid for your sin and mine. He stands as the risen king, the risen Lord. He has the receipt in his hand. It is paid. To tell us that it is paid. And in his grace, he says, if you'll turn to me and receive me in faith, I will forgive and I will restore. We'll walk forward as friends, not, not as a slave, but as a friend. Oh how he loves you, Oh how he's for you. Oh how he wants you. listen, that's our Savior Jesus. See Jesus today, turn to Jesus today. Our hope is in Jesus today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear father we come and I, I tell you I'm sorry I don't I, it's such a small word I'm sorry For what we do to the, the grace of Of life, the kindness of life, the marvel of life, the glory of our God shown in life. and What we do, how we neglect it, how we slander it, how we even kill it. Lord, we come and I tell you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But I I pray, Lord, as we hear the truth, that it rings in our ears and it springs up hope inside of us. There's forgiveness with you, there's hope with you, there's a future with you. I'm thankful for your gracious, gracious provision in that. Lord, I, I pray that as we hear this today, I pray that we're resolving to be loud. Not in arguments, but as we as we tell the God of life the, the good news of Jesus. Lord, I, I pray that we're resolved. I pray that we're ready to stand. I pray that we're quick to defend your name and your plan. I pray that we're ready to walk in obedience and submit to it. For God, Father, forgive us where we've messed that up. And I pray if there's some here today listening, some in some other way that do not know you, that are here, that are stinging in the the guilt of their sin, I pray that today in the hearing of the good news that they would turn to you and receive you in faith. Remove any hindrance. Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We worship you. We marvel at you. We thank you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to end our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And just like I said, this whole message was an was a explanation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God loves you. He made a way for us in our sin. He made a way for us in the, the penalty and the punishment of our sin. He's paid for it in Jesus. He stands and our hope is in Him. Listen, if you never trusted Him, turn to Him today. We're sinners, all of us. We've earned a punishment, death. Jesus has paid it, finished it, settled it. He was put in the grave dead. The penalty paid. He comes out of that grave. He stands as the risen Savior, the hope of sinners. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth that you believe in your heart, if you'll put your faith and trust in Him as your Savior, not in church membership, not in something else, you shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. If you've never done that, do that today. If you need help in that, if you want to talk it through, if you want to, you want to know more, you come. Let's settle it with God's Word. If, you, if you've never done that, settle that today. If you're here and you've put your faith in Christ but never fallen believers, baptism, the New Testament model, it's always by immersion. It's always after the point of salvation, not part of it, not before it. It's a testimony to what we believe of Jesus. He went in a grave and he came back out of it. It's a testimony to who we are in Christ. Our old self has died. Our new self now walks with him. If you've never done that in obedience to Christ, he says do it to testify to him. You come, we'll set it a day, it'll be a great day of joy and celebration as we point to our Savior, Jesus. Maybe you're looking for a church home. You've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll unite. We'll preach his word. We'll uphold his truth. We'll point to Jesus. We'll walk together until he comes again. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar today. Maybe you want to come pray with me today. I'm going to ask that no one stir about. You pray for those who are making decisions. Truly the most important time of our our hour today. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.